0: Howard Hendricks says the kid is seven before he learns his name is not shut up. That may not be physical abuse, but that is verbal abuse. And you know what? We would never think of talking to adults that way. Why do we talk to children that way? Tell you why. Because we're bigger than them, and we know that they can't do anything physically to hurt us. To never speak to an adult that way, you can destroy a child. You can set a child's life
1: on fire with just verbal abuse. I've been told that words are like bullets. Once fired, there's no recalling them. A sincere apology does go a long way. Hi there, welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel since 1981, and he's our teacher as we gain some scriptural insight into the realm of parenting. Today we're airing the third and final portion of Biblical Parenting, Part 1. If you'd like to hear the entire message on CD, keep listening, and I'll give you a phone number later in the program. It's one thing to say hurtful things to our friends or co-workers. It's quite another to verbally attack our children. Yet it's vital that we discipline and instruct them. How do we do that without causing emotional damage? In our last session, Pastor Steve shared with us the first three of nine things we should avoid doing if we don't want to exasperate our children. Today, we'll review the third item on his list before moving on to the others. Here's Pastor Steve with the rest of his list of parental pitfalls.
0: You see, the home is to be a place where a child ought to be himself. You know what? The home ought to be a place where a child can be goofy, just goofy, and say ridiculous things and act like a little kid and not feel like mom and dad are going to mock him and come down on him or be threatened or be made fun of. He gets enough of that at school. He gets enough of that, unfortunately, in the church with, with youth group. And around his peers, he ought never to get that at home. He ought to be able to make mistakes. He ought to be able to fail. He ought to be able to just be, even if he's older, a little kid and not have mom and dad come down on him, not put unrealistic expectations on him. First Peter 4.8 says that love covers a multitude of sins. His parents ought to convey unconditional love. We love you regardless of what you do or what you don't do if he gets enough of uh, of conditional love outside of the home. Third way we exasperate our children, by not allowing harmless mistakes. I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about harmless mistakes. That exasperates a child if you don't allow him to make those harmless mistakes. You know, some parents see everything in life as major. Everything is a federal case. There's nothing they let go by. It's all major, it's all big, it's all sinful. That's not true. Parents, not everything is as big as we always think it is. And not everything is critical. There is a difference between violating scripture and violating house rules. House rules are not scripture. You can be flexible on house rules. You can make adjustments on house rules. You can even compromise house rules and not having to feel guilty about it. You don't compromise scripture. A generation ago, let me illustrate this. And you may not like this illustration, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Who could get mad at a man with a heart that's fluttering, right? Who could possibly get mad? A lot of people could. I want you to know that. A lot of people. A generation ago, Christian parents had major arguments with their sons over hair length. Over hair length. That was the big thing. Over hair length. And that became such an important issue that it obscured other issues. The other issues didn't even seem that important anymore. They were In fact, they were all put on the same level. Let's put it that way. Like lying and morality and things like that. It became so major, this hair length, that when the real critical issues came up, child couldn't tell the difference because everything was major. Mom and dad had a fit over hair length. And you know, hair length, clothes, jewelries... The, jewelry, these aren't that critical. These really aren't that critical. Some of these things are are really cultural, let me tell you. And uh, some things children just have to learn on their own. I'm convinced that clothing, hairstyles, jewelry are often major issues. You know why? And I know you're not going to like this. Because of parents' pride, sinful pride, because what will our friends think? If our son has an earring, <gasps> there I said it, what would they think? Now, I'm not encouraging that, not endorsing I'm not even taking a side on that, on that issue, but I am saying that you need to be careful of your motives. Sometimes parents think, what will our friends think if our child looks like that? They might think we're doing a bad job. And so they make a federal case over this. And you know what? It really isn't that critical. You may think I'm being heretical on this, but it really isn't that critical. It's more of a cultural thing. We can be flexible on those issues. We cannot be flexible on Scripture, lying, morality, deceitfulness. Those are the things you ought to be dealing with, internal attitudes, not the externals. They'll take care of themselves. Number four. Being a negative parent exasperates a child. You want to exasperate your child and frustrate them? Just be negative all the time. Children do need to be told when they're wrong. That's right. We ought to tell them when they're wrong. If you don't, you're not doing a good job. But they also need to be told when they do what's right. And they do what's right plenty of times. They need to be encouraged. They need to be praised when they do what's right. Suppose that's the way God dealt with you. Suppose that that God was negative with you. That that he was always on your case. He never told you when you pleased him. Everything was, was negative. Everything was negative. The only time he ever spoke to you was to tell you what you did wrong. Suppose every time you asked God something, he found fault with what you said. And the only response you got from him was no. Don't. Stop. Now how would you feel? After a while, you'd be exasperated. You would think, as I would, why bother talking to him? It's hopeless. I get the same response all the time. There's nothing I can do that's right. What's the use? Well, listen, that's how children feel. if They live only with negative negative comments. When he doesn't have a positive word to to, to hear from you, he's going to get very discouraged. So what should we do? You communicate love. And you communicate it verbally and with physical affirmation. I've heard some men say, Well, I'm just not I'm just not the type to hug. Well, you should become the type to hug. Your your son, your daughter needs that. A hug, a, a kiss, a pat on the shoulder, a gift, a note of appreciation. Have you ever just written your child a note? Said, You you did a good job doing this. I appreciate it. So your child will probably put that in a file and, and save it for the rest of his life. Tell him when he's done a good job. Tell him you appreciate him. Praise him for his good effort. Now I'm not saying don't lie. They didn't do a good job? Don't say he did a great job. And that's that's called flattery. No, you you sometimes you have to be a little little creative and look hard to find some positive things. But you can, you can. And if you're not the type that naturally hugs, well then you ought to learn to do that because that really conveys something. Number five, abusive language exasperates a child. Abusive language. If You want to frustrate your child and take the wind out of his sails and speak to him in a disrespectful tone of voice and use words that cut him down, words like shut up, or, you dummy, or, you slob, or, you clumsy ox. Listen, those are, wor- those are lethal weapons. Your tongue becomes a lethal weapon that will scar your child for life because children tend to believe whatever mom and dad say. Howard Hendricks says the kid is seven before he learns his name is not shut up. Think about that. That may not be physical abuse, but that is verbal abuse. And you know what? We would never think of talking to adults that way. Why do we talk to children that way? I'll tell you why. Because we're bigger than them. That's why. And we know that they can't do anything physically to hurt us. You'd never speak to an adult. I should say most people would never speak to an adult that way. There are exceptions. But James chapter 3 speaks about the tongue. And, and basically James is such a small part of, of your body and yet it, it, it can set a whole, a whole forest on fire. You can destroy a child. You can set a child's life on fire with just verbal abuse. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no unwholesome uh, word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. That's not simply adults speaking to adults. You apply that to children. But there are some things we say to children, and especially in our family, that we never say to anybody else. And that's wrong. That's wrong because they are created in God's image and we are to show them respect. Number six. Want to exasperate a child, then favoritism and comparisons exasperate a child. Why can't you be like your brother or your sister? Why can't you get good grades like your friends? Well, that'll that'll really frustrate a child. Whenever the Bible records examples when a parent favored one child over another, the results were just terrible, terrible. For example... Isaac favored Esau over Jacob, and that was bad. But also, Rebekah, his wife, favored Jacob over Esau, and that was bad too. And it resulted in lying, it resulted in in deception, in lack of trusting God, in anguish. I suppose the classic case of favoritism is found in Genesis chapter 37, in the life of of Joseph. Jacob, his father, showed favoritism to, to Joseph, and it almost cost Joseph his life. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a berry-colored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. You know what his brothers were? They were exasperated, because Dad loved Joseph more than the other brothers. They were frustrated, and the story goes on to say they decided to throw him into a pit. In fact, they first wanted to even kill him and throw him in a pit, and then he was sold into slavery. You want to exasperate a child and just compare him. Listen, he's not like anybody else. He's not like someone else. He may not have those talents that other people have. Maybe see work in school is the best he or she can do. Maybe they're just C students, but, but parents tend to think that every child they have has to be a little genius. I remember one, one uh, father, he, they brought their child home from the hospital. Had, uh, he was, he was showing, showing off the child to some, some people. The child was only days old, and he said, look, look, my child is smiling already. And I pointed out to him, I think that's an expression of gas. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a smile. Uh, But every parent wants to think that they have a little genius who's doing something better than anybody Maybe you just have average kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe the best they can do is see work. Maybe they're not going to be the star on the Little League team. So be careful about that.
1: Be careful. Favoritism sure does cause a lot of grief. It's easy to assume that the only one hurt is the unfavored child. But you know, when parents play favorites, they aren't doing anyone any favors. Their favorite child has to suffer the resentment of the other siblings. Perhaps the parents will coddle the favorite, who will then be less prepared for the challenges of adult life. Well, Pastor Steve has made some very useful observations already, and he has more for us in just a minute. We want to pause to let you know that we appreciate having you with us in class today. If you've just tuned in and you're wondering what's going on, you're listening to Verse by Verse. It's a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, since 1981. His expository preaching style has given birth to Verse by Verse Ministries and this radio program. We hope it brings you encouragement. If you missed the start of class, you can hear the entire broadcast again by visiting our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to the program or subscribe to our free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. Pastor Steve still has four more things that he wants to share with us to help us avoid exasperating our children. Let's return to class now and get our notepads ready.
0: Number seven, you exasperate a child with your hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. You know, children can handle it when parents do wrong. And they know that you do wrong. You don't, you don't fool them. But they can handle it when they see a parent who does wrong but confesses it. And they see that parent really desirous to, to honor the Lord and obey. And the parent admits when they've made a mistake and they ask forgiveness. And, and, and a child can handle that. In fact, they respect you for it, but what they cannot handle is a parent who confesses to be a Christian in public, but his child sees him consistently living like a pagan in private. That's what they can't handle. That's called hypocrisy, and they'll deeply resent that, and they will resent your, your Christian profession, and they will eventually resent your, the Christian faith. Children are very perceptive to hypocrisy, very perceptive. And they can tell if you're genuine and they can tell if you're a phony. And if you're a phony, you're going to breathe tremendous exasperation within them. Number eight, what will exasperate your child? Neglect. Neglect. Just neglect your child. Do you know that there was a survey taken that determined that the uh, uh, fathers spend an average of, you take a guess how much during the week or, or, or a day in their children's lives, 37 seconds a day. That was what the survey determined. 30 second, 37 seconds a day with their children. Now that's an average. That's, that's preposterous. That's ridiculous. The fathers, they, they determined, just don't take the time, make the time for their children. And this breeds a discouraged kid because he doesn't feel loved enough for dad to take some time to just listen to him or do something with him. Dad's always too busy. Doing other things. Other things are his priority. Work. A hobby. Making money. You see, it takes time to build a relationship. It really takes time. You need to force yourself to be interested. And this is, this goes for mom and dad. Force yourself to be interested in your child's world. That world may be very boring to you. That world may seem very insignificant in light of the problems that you have, but it is very significant to your child. Very significant to your child, and you need to be available, and you need to give them undivided attention—not not during a commercial break, undivided attention. One of the things that uh, I have done with my children is that uh, every every few weeks, uh, I asked especially the girls, I ask them out on a date, and we go to the place that they choose, provided. That I have enough money for where they choose. It's the one stipulation. But, um, but this is their time. Not only am I doing that to, to train them how a future young man should, should treat them on a date, but I also, this is their time to be with me. This is a time we block out. And this is a time that's undivided attention. And that's been very, very helpful. I also said before, and I'll reiterate it again, when you put them to bed at night, uh, Sit down on the bed and talk with them. Let them share with you. Don't force the issue, but let them open their hearts and and share with you. It's those unguarded, wonderful moments when they just sort of open their hearts and and they want to talk. Don't, Don't feel like you've got to rush out and do something else. You talk then. Number nine, you will exasperate your child when you fail to apologize to your child. What, what parent hasn't blown it with his child, right? What parent hasn't blown it? An outburst of, of anger. Uh, sometimes we've over-punished our, our children. We've been so annoyed that we've overpunished them. Or sometimes we fail to keep a promise to them. We said we'd do something and we forgot about it, or we, we just, for whatever reason. Joe Stoll, president of the Moody Bible Institute, said recently, every parent is one step away from the edge of child abuse. I understand that. I really do. Uh, don't be shocked by that. I understand just right at the edge, one step away, and every parent has blown it. And every parent has needed to go back to their child and say, would you forgive me? I lost my temper. I didn't keep my, my word. I overpunished you. I overreacted. Or I didn't react the way I should have. Maybe you underreacted. Don't let pride keep you from apologizing. And that's all it is. Wicked, sinful pride. You'll think, but... But they won't respect me anymore. They won't respect my, my authority. They'll respect you deeply because you're humbling yourself and you're doing what they already know. And that's you blew it. What does the Bible teach us to do when we sin against somebody? Well, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 say, If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar, that is, you're worshiping, in the context of the Jewish temple. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. You're worshiping, you're doing something for the Lord, you're serving, and God brings it to your mind that you offended your, your child. What do you do? Leave what you're doing and go home or make a phone call and ask forgiveness. You blew it. You blew it. And you may think, well... That that happened so long ago, they won't remember it. I guarantee you they will remember it. They will remember it. I've looked at nine ways that we can provoke our children to wrath. We can exasperate them to the point that they lose heart. But why is it so important? And and there are many others, too. These are just a sampling. But why is it so important that we not provoke them to, to be angry, discouraged young men and women? Why is that so critical? Well, not only because it violates Scripture if you do it, but because the goal of raising children is found in, in the last phrase of Ephesians 6.4. And if you exasperate them, you'll never be able to fulfill Ephesians 6.4. Look at it. And we'll look at this next time we get together. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. A a provoked child won't let you bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They won't receive what you have to tell them. They'll resent you. They won't receive it. They won't listen. They won't respond. Why? Because they resent you and therefore they will resent what you stand for. If you're guilty of exasperating your child, regardless of whether you have a grown child or not, or they're still at home, or regardless of their age or status in life, if, if, if these things have clicked with you, if something has clicked with you, then it's never too late to go to them and get it straightened out. It may be very humbling, but it's never too late. And that's your assignment this week. I've given you assignments each week. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't, don't uh, say he or she won't remember They will remember. Take care of it as soon as possible. So what are we saying? Every couple needs to be united united on how to raise your children and you ought to be united around the word of god not not uh, some fallible man that gives you his opinion fathers begin today today not tomorrow but today take more of an interest in raising your children be aware of what's happening in their lives communicate with with your wife better understand what's going on in school understand what's going on in Sunday school, understand what they're being taught in the church, what they're being taught in the youth group, who are their youth leaders, things like that. Make an effort to know what's going on while you're at work. What What do they do? What What happens during the day? That type of stuff. Because you're answerable to God. You are answerable. You are the head of the home. That's what God says. And parents, you ought to have a good talk with your children today. And you ought to ask them, is there anything I, I do or have done that exasperates you? Now, you may be very vulnerable at that point, and they may come up with some things that are just off the wall, but listen, listen and determine and discern, is this the case? And then get it straightened out. Your children will be more than, than, uh, more than willing to help you to become the best parents that you can be.
1: That's quite a list. Thanks, Pastor Steve. See, if you didn't catch everything, here are the nine things that he cautioned us to avoid lack of consistent discipline, not allowing our children to fail, not allowing harmless mistakes, negativism, abusive language, favoritism and comparisons, hypocrisy, neglect, and failure to apologize. I'm sure you can come up with more parental pitfalls. Maybe you've experienced a few yourself, but we hope this list will help you to raise godly, well-adjusted children. This wraps up Pastor Steve's message, Biblical Parenting, Part 1. Because of time limitations, we broadcast it in three parts. Now, if you would like to hear the whole message at one time, you can order an audio CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 441 one seven one four. You can also visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, to listen to this broadcast again or to subscribe to our free podcasting service. Once again, it's versebyverseradio.org. This program is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been supportive of their local church. In our next class, we'll begin Pastor Steve's second message on biblical parenting. We hope to see you there for that lesson.